we started to think that we needed to do something different to to make some money out of properties. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with property developer Leslie Smith. Join us as she discusses her upbringing in the UK and how she saw potential in a property that was overlooked by everyone else. We also learn how moving to Australia got her started on her property journey. All that and more coming up. Smith works as a financial officer while developing properties on the side. She's also a mother, so her day-to-day schedule is unsurprisingly full. Uh, currently, I usually drop my daughter off at school in the morning and then I come home and work for my employer um, or go into the office and then once I've done my hours for them, then I spend some time on background work for our investments, um, stuff at home and then school pickup time, it's time to pick my daughter up and move on to after school activities. Um, she's very much into her dancing at the moment, so three times a week um, it's to the dance school, so I guess you could call me a dance mum. Um, <laughs> uh, she's in the squad there, so we've got competitions and lots of practice and things to do, so dancing's the main focus at the moment. Although Australia is her home now, Smith spent most of her life in England. Um, I grew up in Southampton in the UK. Um, that's famous for being where the Titanic sailed from. Um, so I had a pretty normal childhood there really um, and went to school there. And then when I met my husband, um, we decided to emigrate to Australia. We could both see the opportunities and lifestyle that was offered over here. Um, so we moved here in 2004 and have been on the Sunshine Coast ever since. I was 33 when we moved over. We've been in Australia for nearly 17 years now, so almost half of the life in England. <laughs> While you might imagine schools in England to resemble Harry Potter's Hogwarts, the reality is much more ordinary. Schooling is a little bit different in England. Um, we have three three schools that you go to so we call it little school and then primary school or middle school and then uh, we call it senior school over there which is the equivalent of high school here so I went to the three different schools the little school seemed very tiny um, now when I go back and see it Um, at the time it seemed really big that was literally just around the corner from our house Um, and then the middle school was a little bit further walk away um and then the senior school um, was about a 20-minute walk from the house. So over there, you don't really get any choice of which school you go to. You just have to go to the, the local one um, unless you go to a private school. So it's a fair bit different to Australia. The distances um, for going to sort of local things in our area, everything was pretty close um, to where we lived. We, we used the bus a lot where I grew up. Um, so they, I think the type of area we were in, then everything was either within walking distance or, or you could catch a bus. Smith shared a fond memory of her primary school days. We used to have a school fair every year in the middle school, which I enjoyed, enjoyed doing. And um, we used to have a big raffle and I actually won the raffle one year. So that was very exciting because the 
don't know if they use them over here much, but you have like a drum barrel that spins around with all the raffle tickets in it. And it was jam-packed full. You could hardly pull any out. It was so full and I was the lucky ticket to be drawn out first um, and won a little black and white portable TV, um, which was very, very exciting at the time um, because I didn't have a TV in my room. So suddenly I had a, a TV in my bedroom. So I felt um, very special with that. Um, and yeah, we had um, like in the senior school, we had a canteen that you could go along and, and get food from, um, which was sort of quite nice food there um yeah apart from that I'm not really sure <laughs> what else was different over there really while Smith didn't come from a wealthy family she inherited something more valuable than money her parents work ethic and her grandfather's passion my mum and dad they rented a lot before I was born um, and then a few years before I was born they were lucky enough to be able to purchase a house. Um, the local council were doing a scheme at the time um, for people renting their properties to be able to buy a, a house and they helped them with the mortgage. Um, so by the time I was born mum and dad were in that house and I always remember them having a very hard work ethic um, and the money wasn't there wasn't a lot of money in our household, but they always made sure that the mortgage was paid first um, before anything else. And their goal was that by the time they retired, the mortgage would be paid off. Um, and they achieved that. So I guess some um, from them, you know, I learned about budgeting and making your money work as well as you can for you. Um, they did have a number of investments, but they tended to invest in shares. Um, they never owned any other property, um, but they always saved money and saved before they bought anything rather than putting things on to credit. So that was another lesson that I learned from them. Um, my grandfather, he unfortunately died before I was born, but he was a master builder. Um, and I know that one of the things he liked to do was to have little projects on the go all the time with renovations and building houses. Um, so my mum's always said that I've probably inherited his genes for love and property and wanting to do things to property. Although she was unaware of most of her family's financial situation, the things she did know about shaped her motivations for the future. I guess my mum and dad always saw bricks and mortar as being um, a good investment and as say you know they spent a lot of time and energy making sure that they had their own house um, I think also just the um, whole thing about wanting to make life secure for ourselves um, and not having to rely on our jobs um, my dad was made redundant a few times while I was a child um, and I know that those were hard times for the family so I guess I can see from that that it's not good just to rely on one source of income. Um, so to have multiple streams and um, the ability to be able to create some other income if something happens to your main, main source of income um, became important to me. I mean, as a child, I was sort of shielded from a lot of it, but, you know, you could sort of tell that, that money was tight in the household um, my mum was very good at, at housekeeping and um, making sure that we always had good meals on the table, but I know that it was, was a struggle for her. When she finished high school, 
she pursued further education. It's actually um, very lucky because we had a good college in Southampton. So when I left school, I went to that college. Um, and then after a few years, I progressed to a higher education college. Um, and I decided that I wanted to go more into management um, role. So I was actually lucky that the next college that did that type of diploma was actually uh, only about a 45 minute drive from our house. So I could just commute there and back. So I never did the whole university living away from home um, thing. I didn't really see the point in moving out from home if I didn't need to. Um, and my mum and dad were happy for me to stay at home and looked after me. So um, I was very fortunate in that way. So all my um, working career before we came to Australia was in Southampton. Um, and I lived, lived local to when I moved out from home eventually. It was only sort of 10 minutes away from my mum and dad. So um, all very local. She explained what the next few years looked like for her. When I left um, senior school, I decided I wanted to work in hotels. Um, so I went to the local college and did a qualification which covered all different areas of the hotel. So from the cooking through to housekeeping to reception to the finance. Um, and I really enjoyed that industry. Um, when I even during the, the college, I was working part time in restaurants and hotels. And then when I finished the college course, I worked full time in a hotel. Um, and that's when I decided to to go on and do the management qualifications. Um, I stayed in hotels for another couple of years. And then I realized that the, the hours really weren't very good for me, um, having to work late at night and uh, up early again the next morning. Um, really, really didn't suit me in the end. So I moved from there and started working in offices. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to go and work for a large company who helped me move into their finance department. And that's when I um, started training as an accountant because I really enjoyed numbers I'd worked out by then. Um, and obviously that was very helpful to them as well. So, um, yeah, so they paid for me to go through my accountant's qualification um, and I stayed working with them until we we moved to Australia. So I was quite sad to leave them because they were a very good company to work for. Um, but the the skills that I learned from um, being at college and working in hotels um, stood me in good stead for my working life going forward because it's always good to learn how to deal with people um, and the pressure in hotels of you know, having to deal with so many customers at once and things like that, that was all, all good learning for me. Um, and I think one other thing with my working life is that I've always not really had a definite idea on what I wanted to do. Um, I kept it very fluid. So when people talk about goals for like one year, five year, 10 year, I always struggle to answer that question because I'm like, well, I just want to see where life's going to take me. I don't want to define myself by saying I want to go down this path um, because you just don't know what other opportunity is going to come along. Um, and, and that's what worked for me because say moving from hotels into accountancy um, and then doing the property investing, it's all very different pathways. Coming up after the break, We'll delve deeper into Leslie Smith's journey and learn how she got started in property. 
coming to Australia, we could see that a lot of people did have a second property. Um, so I guess we just followed the crowd. with How they flipped the property being overlooked by everyone else? The garden was overgrown and people really couldn't see what was beyond that. Um, I sort of in my mind stripped away all the trees <laughs> and could see that there was space down the side of the house. To- and that's next. I'm Taran Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey Property Investor, is your cash or equity currently earning you 1-2% to per annum sitting in the bank? What if I said to you that you can do better? To find out more, simply register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest to get a higher return with low risk on their money for 6 months. Register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. While most people don't pick their careers via a TV show, Smith was inspired by one specific show at a young age. We had a TV program in England called Crossroads, which was all about a motel. I don't know if you ever had that on television over here, did you? Um, and my mum used to love watching that every afternoon and I used to watch it with her and um, I guess that planted the seeds of what I wanted to do. When I was a child, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I left school. And I think somebody just asked me one day and I'd just been watching the Crossroads program. So I said, oh, I want to go in hotel reception. Um, And then that sort of stuck with me ever since after that. Um, Also, I guess coming from the the, um, type of household that we had with money being tight, um, we didn't really have money to stay in fancy hotels um we used to go camping for our holidays mum mum and dad loved um taking me away every holidays and we did travel a lot with the with the tent um but we didn't stay in fancy hotels very often so I think also leaving school I thought all right probably can't afford to stay in one so I'll go and work in one and then I'll be in that fancy hotel environment. Since most of her personal journey occurred in the UK Smith didn't start her property journey until she moved to Queensland Australia. When I was in England, my brother was working uh, for a rental agency at the time and he did try and encourage me to buy a rental property while I was living at my mum and dad's. Um, you know, he said it would be a very good investment and he would manage it for me um, to sort of start getting onto the property ladder. But at that point in time, um, I was quite happy living at home and I, was, I was, had started saving up for a deposit for myself to buy a property and I remember saying to him, well, look, if I buy a property, I want to go and live in it myself. I don't want to rent it to somebody else. Um, looking back now, I can see the sense in what he was saying um, and that it would have been a smart move to have had an, an investment property while living at mum and dad's because I would have had income coming in um, in the best of both worlds. Um, but hindsight is good. But I guess um, yeah, he planted the seeds of the idea into my head Um, and then when we came to Australia um, we decided to buy an investment property because we realised that a lot of people in Australia do own investment properties. Um, In England it's quite unusual, Um, people just tend to own their own property um, and it's only the very rich who have a second property or more um, as investment properties so it wasn't really the norm over there. 
coming to Australia, we could see that a lot of people did have a second property. Um, so I guess we just followed the crowd with that. We had some spare income, so we decided to to buy our first investment property um, and create that second income stream. It's safe to say that if Smith never moved to Australia, she wouldn't have gotten into property. So, how did she make that life-changing decision? It was, yes, definitely a big decision to come over. Um, I think for myself and my husband, before we'd met each other, we both had ideas about coming to Australia. Now, when I was working in the hotel, I said I always ended up working in Southampton and never had to move anywhere else for a job. Um, But the hotel industry is quite fluid as well and you can get a job anywhere. If you want to travel, you can get a job anywhere in England or anywhere in Europe, anywhere in the world. So I had it in the back of my head that at some point I would like to travel the world a little bit and work in hotels in other countries and Australia was on my bucket list um, and for my husband as well. He he had designs to come to Australia to live as well. So when we met, I guess we're both um, sort of co- compatible that we, we both liked the idea of coming to Australia. Um, we did have a couple of trips to start off with. We came over for a month's trip one time and we both absolutely loved the country then um, and went home to England and started thinking about wouldn't it be nice to live in Australia. Um, In the meantime, my brother emigrated over here um, with his wife as all her family were here. Um, So we came over for our honeymoon in December 2002 um, because I really wanted to see how I would cope with the summer um, because uh, in England, when we have a hot day, it is a very hot day and because the buildings aren't really designed for hot weather, um, I did need to suffer a little bit over there. So I said, well, I'm not moving over there unless I can see whether I can cope with the summer. So we came over for a honeymoon. Um, I did end up with heat stroke one day because I spent too long in the sun, um, but I learned from that. And um, by the end of the trip, I absolutely loved it here and I just didn't want to go go back to England again. Um, But we did go back and then we started really being serious about putting an application to move over here. We just loved everything about Australia. We loved the people, the climate, um, the unusual wildlife. um, And we loved the Sunshine Coast that my brother was living on at the time. Um, And so we decided to, to take the plunge and actually live over here. And we could see the opportunities were much better. The lifestyle was much better. Um, and yeah, we were still young enough then to make the most of it over here. Eventually, everything fell into place and Smith found a job that would give her the income she needed to start property development. I was very lucky because when we were in England looking at coming across to Australia, um, I was looking at jobs available and I could see that there were lots of um, analyst type jobs which was what I was doing at that time. Um, so I thought, oh yeah, this would be fine. Um, now, one thing with people from England, we tend to underestimate the distances between towns and cities in Australia um, because England is so much smaller. And um, when we actually moved to Australia, um, we found a house very quickly to buy um, within the first three days of being here, um, put a contract on it, and we're going to move in three weeks later. And I suddenly went, oh, hang on a minute. So we're going to have bills to pay. I better get, we'd better get jobs. Um, so when I actually started looking uh, for jobs, I 
quickly realised that all the jobs for the type of role that I'd been doing in the UK um, were down in Brisbane, which is about an hour, hour and a half drive from us. And I really hate driving that much. So I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go to Brisbane every day. So I spoke to an agency um, and they said the same thing. Yeah, they said with your skills, you'll need to go to Brisbane to get a job. Um, but then just out of the blue, they phoned me a couple of days later. So we've had a job just come in, which might be ideal for you. Now, in England, I'd been working for a large hardware company called B&Q, which are very similar to Bunnings. Um, and I really wanted to stay in that sector doing the accounting because I'd learned a lot while I was working for them. Um, and she said, by chance, there was a small hardware store up on the Sunshine Coast who were looking for somebody to help them with their finance. So it was perfect for me. Um, so I went along for the interview and they took me on for that job. And they've had a few changes in the meantime, but basically I'm still working for um the company that took over the shop after a couple of years. So I'm still with them now. So that um, that worked really well. So I really enjoy what I do. And um, the, the roles changed a fair bit over the years, but I'm still doing the accounting, um, the accounting work for them, um, just sort of different capacities, but um, I still in, enjoy it. And yeah, they're a good company to work for. So that worked really well. So I was very lucky to be able to get a job in the local area doing what I love to do. Her first venture into property didn't go as well as planned but it's important to remember that everything happens for a reason. So we arrived in 2004 and bought our own property. Um, 2006, we started looking around for an investment property um, and found one that wasn't far from where we live, just five minutes up the road because we like to keep everything local if we can. Um, and it seemed a good buy. It was a four-bedroom, two-bathroom house um, on, on an estate, so we knew it would be easy to rent out. Um, so we bought that property um, and we had that for quite a few years, um, but we realised that it wasn't really making a lot of money for us um, in capital growth um, because of being on estate and there were lots of new sections opening up. So there was lots of new land around which made the old land, if you like, um, not coming up in value that much. So we started to think that we needed to do something different to, to make some money out of properties. Um, we found a local mentoring group, um, which was run by Michael Knights at that time. Um, and we went along to a few of his sessions and thought he could really help us with what we wanted to do. So we joined his mentoring group and he gave us lots of good advice. Um, and we ended up finding, we started looking at the prospect of doing more development side of things rather than just buying a property, rent it out, hold on to it, do a little bit of painting every few years and then sell it on because see that that really wasn't going to make as much money at all. Um, so he helped us look at the bigger picture and what was possible to do. Um, we found a little two-bedroom house in the centre of town um, one day which was up for sale, deceased estate um, and I think people were driving past it. I saw the sign outside and it did say uh, possible development sign but I think a lot of people were just driving past it because it was 
a little bit unloved. It was a bit shabby. The garden was overgrown and people really couldn't see what was beyond that. Um, I sort of in my mind stripped away all the trees <laughs> and could see that there was space down the side of the house to put in a driveway to the back. Um, and when we looked up the zoning and everything, it was possible to put a townhouse in the garden pretty much. <laughs> um, so, so we purchased the, the house and we set about putting in the application for, for putting the townhouse in the back. And we would never have attempted that type of project um, with the help of somebody mentoring us. And Michael was great for helping us see what, what the possibilities were there. Um, then we ended up with a good team around us, town planners and a builder, and they all helped us sort of achieve the project um, and we ended up living in the back house for a while um, and then we sold both properties a few years later um, and then we sort of looked around at other projects and then we sort of got a taste for for what could be done. It was definitely profitable. Um, some of the profit came from the market shift during the time that we owned it because we, we had it for about five years before we sold it um, but I definitely think that some of the profit came came from what we did add in value to the the site as well. The property was a subdivision with a shared driveway. So it needed more than one title. It was some um, medium density zoning. Um, the project we actually did they call a small lot subdivision. So the land wasn't subdivided totally into two titles. Um, there, there were we did. We ended up strata titling it, so the each property had its own title, but as a strata title, and then there was body corporate um, across the common area, which was the driveway, which the front house could use, and the back house. Once the property was done, they thought about keeping it, but in the end, it didn't suit their needs. We did think about holding on to it, and when we. Um, originally did the project we did think that we would hold on to it for a, a number of years um, but we got to a point where the townhouse was feeling a little bit small for us we had our daughter and you know what kids are like with lots of toys and things um, and to be honest we loved the location because it was really close to town um, but other people had had the same idea as us and were starting to build up around us and we were feeling a little bit um, hemmed in there so we decided that we'd like to move on and um, it was time for a bigger house for us and a different location where there was more open space so we um, started looking at other properties um, around the area and we were lucky enough to get into an area near the beach which we'd been wanting to get into for a long time um, and a uh, sort of little old beach shack came up for sale that um, needed lots of TLC um, so we were able to get that at a good price but we did have to sell those two properties to be able to get it so I guess it was a, a personal choice to give us our personal lifestyle that we wanted so we sort of sacrificed those two properties to do that. In a future episode of Property Investory, 
We'll continue the conversation with Leslie Smith, where we'll discuss the lessons she's learned on her journey. And I guess sort of lesson learned to um, not really um, listen to sort of predictions at the time, to look at what's around and not expect things to, to increase by that much. The tip that saved us $16,000 on one property and thousands more on others. I give them the opportunity to say yes. If you don't ask, they can't say yes. The unexpected ways her good habits rubbed off on her daughter. She came up with a fantastic list and lots of things that were out of the box that you wouldn't really expect a, a child to sort of think of. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. And if you love the show and are ready to get serious about investing your money to get a low risk, high return, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a money partner. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest their money for a short six months. To register interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040.